You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Kara Hale-Alter is an international keynote speaker, author, and the founder of Speech Skills. She literally wrote the book on projecting credibility and confidence, the critically acclaimed The Credibility Code. She's delivered more than 1,000 keynotes, seminars, and workshops on leadership presence to audiences around the globe. In addition to providing training to clients such as Google, Intel, and numerous top 100 law firms, Kara is a guest lecturer at UC Hastings College of the Law, Stanford Law School, and UCLA School of Law. So I've got with me on the podcast today, Kara Hale-Alter, who is a nonverbal communications expert, especially in the area of cues that influence our perception of credibility and confidence. Kara, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Well, I'm excited to be here, Scott. Thanks so much for the invitation. Absolutely. And I was amazed when you spoke at our conference for the National Association of Legal Search Consultants a few months ago. We had high-level headhunters in the audience. We had people that were working within law firms. And people still talk about the quality of your presentation and the usefulness of that. And I, I knew that you were somebody I had to have on the show because the target market for this podcast are partner-level attorneys. And these are people that are selling work, that are communicating to clients. I'm just kind of curious. Tell me about your expertise. How did you come to build this uh, body of knowledge in this area of uh, communication that's so critical to people? Well, I will say that my first degree was in speech communication. So I always had an interest in this particular area. But I also have an MFA in theater. And this really influenced the way that I look at the behaviors that we exhibit. And one of the areas that actors study is how to raise or lower your status and mm-hmm. how, to, how to exhibit behaviors that have a very predictable response on the other side. And in my study of theater, I began to think, well, how can I apply this to the business world to help people better align how they want to come across as how they are likely to come across? And one of the things that I discovered is that there are very specific status behaviors that can either increase your appearance of credibility and confidence or completely derail it. (laughs) And it's nice to be explicit about those. Absolutely right. And that's one thing that every partner-level attorney wants is to build that cachet, that reputation, that status with their clients, to be the person that gets the call when there's an issue, to be the first one that they think of. So what have you seen, kind of the certain behaviors, what are they that one can use to build that? that power and that confidence with their potential clients and their current clients? Well, there are very specific behaviors, but it it comes across as somewhat nebulous. There are some people who, just in the way that they carry themselves, you immediately have faith in their abilities. And then there are other people who are on the opposite end of that spectrum. And I I say that they, they suffer from invisible credibility. And that is that they really are smart, capable people and oftentimes experts in their field, but for some reason that's just not coming across. But these these interpretations, these assessments of how we see someone, they're just not as subjective as we think they are. And so the primary cues that we respond to when it comes to leadership presence or confidence, credibility, 
are really explicit. And the, the three primary ones are strong posture, strong voice, and strong eye contact. So strong posture, strong voice, and strong eye contact. Absolutely. Those are the pillars that hold up your appearance of credibility and confidence. But I will say that almost everybody has heard that advice before, so it doesn't have a lot of power all by itself. It's when you dig a little deeper and ask, well, what does strong posture mean? (laughs) What does Mm -hmm. strong voice mean? That it has a little bit more teeth. I'm sitting up straighter as you're saying this, by the way. (laughs) Great, great. So what else? What else along besides that builds that cachet, builds that reputation that people are looking to build? Well, there are some derailers, behaviors that pe- almost everyone does that undercut credibility. And one of the primary derailers would be filler words, either the uhs, ums, ers in one's language or the verbal hedges and softeners, you know, kind of, sort of, actually, basically, I mean, right, okay. All of those have a detrimental impact on how committed you sound to your message and how articulate you're coming across. Another very common derailer is what I call the misplaced upward inflection, or other people might call it uptalk or upspeak. And that's when there's a little question mark at the end of your sentence. Right. It sounds like you're questioning what you're saying. Mm. And that is incredibly common out there, even for all levels of people within the legal field. It's, it's very common. And especially when people are introducing themselves. If I were to play back to you the last 100 videotapes I have of my clients introducing themselves with their elevator pitches, 95 of them, those individuals would be using upward inflections to talk about who they are. So I'm an attorney with such and such organization, as opposed to I'm a senior attorney at such and such organization. What do you think that is? What do you think causes us to assume that that person's not as secure or not as confident? Well, it's in English, when we're speaking in English, a downward inflection is the function of a statement. And an upward inflection is the function of a question. And I do believe that that upward inflection has taken hold out there as a way of sounding friendly or collaborative, as if the inflection itself is saying, are you getting this? Are you with me on this? Right. But unfortunately, that same inflection can sound like you're questioning yourself or looking for approval or you're you're just not as committed. Have you seen that with many of the clients that you work with? Have they actually shared stories of the difference that they've noticed and how people respond just by changing those things? Yes. As a matter of fact, that particular skill set, I had one woman say to me, attorney, she said that she felt like after she got a hold of that particular behavior, intentionally using the downward inflections, that she felt like she had Jedi powers. That, like, you will listen to what I have to say. <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. I get exactly. that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Why do you think people never pick up on that? I mean, you studied theater. I assume that was a big focus point for you growing up. Do you think people just aren't self-aware with that or they're just not, they don't have this knowledge? Well, I think there are a couple of things. I think there's such a thing as social mimicry where it's very, very popular out there in the world that people use this upward inflection. And especially if they're trying to sound friendly, which by the way, is when we're introducing ourselves, we're trying to sound collaborative and friendly. And that's why almost everyone will introduce themselves with that upward inflection. But I also think it's just an invisible behavior that most people don't, don't see it, don't notice it, even if it's having a very subtle impact on their credibility. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. Let me go back to the filler words when you were talking about that. I remember a, a client called me years and years ago when I first got into recruiting about a certain type of position. And I gave him my presentation. And at the end of my presentation about 
my firm and my process, he said, Scott, did you know that you said the word uh 55 times just now? Mm-hmm. And he was actually counting them. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I learned that I had a problem. I had a client prospect tell me that in my presentation about my great recruiting skills and communication expertise that go along with that, I said the word uh 55 times. And so what I focused on was saying the last syllable of each word. My speech became a little bit more measured, but I didn't have those filler words. What are some other ways that you've seen people have been able to, to overcome that, that issue in communicating? Well, the behavior to take on is to learn how to pause. And that's certainly easier said than done because most people develop the issue because they're uncomfortable with pausing. But it is important to note that pausing raises your status. We think that if we pause, we'll come across as less prepared or less intelligent, or maybe that it will be boring for the listener. But research shows the exact opposite is true. People who put more pauses in their conversation come across as better prepared, more intelligent. And it's great customer service because it gives people a chance to actually put the information away. So pausing increases retention. So I think that we get into the habit of the us and ums oftentimes because well, the us and ums are a processing technique, kind of like a little buffering wheel right. that holds our place or buys us time while we're deciding what we're going to say next. Right, right. Word we're going to use, which direction we'll take the conversation. And most people are uncomfortable just leaving that, that pause there. I think also people think that if you pause, you'll be more, you're more likely to be interrupted. Mm. And I will say that research, once again, will say that people who use less fillers, us, ums, actually are interrupted less than those who have fillers. Because we're more likely to interrupt someone when they sound distracted or if they've lost their place, which is one of the qualities that comes across when we use us and ums in a conversation. You know, I think the word that comes to my mind of what you're helping people to achieve with communication is gravitas, having that, that presence of confidence. Have you ever worked with people where they see it, but they just don't have that inner confidence? Is that something that you've seen before with people that you've worked with? No question about it, but I come about it a very different way in terms of how to build that gravitas. Many coaches will come from the point of view of trying to build up someone's mojo and and their, their thoughts about themselves. And I come about it very differently, which is we focus very specifically on skill set, behaviors that raise your status, because I have a very, very deep belief that when you build a strong skill set, an authentic mindset of confidence follows. Because if you know you look good, if you know you have the skills on your side to come across at your best, well, then that that gravitas tends to be very organic and very authentic from the inside. That's great. I'm sure that's exciting to see people go through that change. Absolutely. And what's interesting there is a lot of people believe deeply in themselves, but don't know how to come across at their best. And by identifying for them the explicit behaviors that, that raise status, then it's, it's, and it's actually, it's quite simple. I hear this all the time that someone will say, I didn't realize how, how easy it would be (laughs) to take on behaviors of confidence. And I'll give you a quick example of one. And that would be just the skill set of keeping your head level and pointing your nose directly toward the person you're speaking to. That one derailer that undercuts status is if your head bobbles just a bit or if your head is slightly tilted or if you're looking directly at someone and your nose is slightly off to the side. So you're looking out 
slightly out of the corner of your eye. All of those behaviors tend to send a complicated nonverbal message. But keeping your head level and pointing your nose directly toward the person you're speaking to is actually a very, very easy thing to do. And the impact it has is just, it's disproportionate to the amount of effort it takes <laughs> in terms of the kind of status that it, it, it helps you cultivate. That's interesting. I remember you also talked about, raise, was it raising your chin? Oh, yes. You to yes. Tell, me, tell me about that, Kara. Well, this is a verbal cue that helps me when I'm, when I'm talking to, to someone live, immediately identify how these behaviors have a very predictable impact. And if I... If I'm talking to an individual and I raise my chin ever so slightly, so it's just a little too high, if I continue to speak in that position, the impact that comes across the, the assessment is it's a very arrogant, maybe even aggressive position to be in. And the opposite is true too. If I, if I am talking directly to someone and my chin is just slightly too low, then if I continue to speak in, in that manner, it's very likely that I would come across as submissive or, or deferential. And it's just such an easy visual cue to help someone understand that keeping your head level is just a very powerful, straightforward, well, truly, literally level-headed way of coming across. Right. What about eye contact? Have you met many professionals that have admitted to you that they struggle with that eye contact? Oh, absolutely. And so there, there are some ground rules for, for eye contact in that holding eye contact for about three to five seconds per person, if you're talking to a small group, is a very comfortable, relaxed rhythm from the listener's point of view. And so it's nice to, to understand that rhythm, but there are some cultural differences. So it is very helpful to be aware of the, the culture okay. that you're in. Sure. So that's the, the basic ground rule. I, I was recently working with, I, was, I gave a talk to a lunch and learn at a law firm, and there were a lot of fifth year associates in the room. One of the young women came up to me and said that she struggles with eye contact. And the entire time that she was speaking to me, her eyes were darting on my eyes, off my eyes, on my eyes, off my eyes, really very quickly. And she said to me that she, she understood the concept of eye contact and she heard me say that it was important, but she just felt uncomfortable with it, but she didn't feel like it was holding her back. And it was so clear to me that it was holding her back. <laughs> she, she is probably a brilliant attorney and that is why she has gotten to where she is. But if she also had this, the ability to, to hold eye contact, the trajectory of her career would probably be accelerated by, by many degrees. Right. Absolutely. Now, I know you also talked about the voice. What are some of the behaviors related to voice that one can use to build the power and confidence that also those that can undercut, like the way people communicate, the way they talk and swallow the words and things like that? Well, perhaps the most powerful tool with the voice is just speaking at optimal volume. We use a scale in my company where we evaluate where someone is with a particular skill on a scale from one to five, where they're just, just okay with something or truly exceptional. Almost everyone will hang out in the average zone where they're okay, but not truly using that behavior to their advantage. And since we are in a vocal medium here, I'll give you an example right now. So I'm using my voice the way I, I would hope to come across, mm -hmm. but I'm going to pull back on that for a second. And now when I'm talking to you, I know you can hear me and I know that I'm understandable, but I probably don't sound as, as authoritative as right. I did a moment ago. 
And so being able to use your voice in an optimal way so that you, you have your volume is optimal, the resonance and the richness of your voice is coming across. We respond tremendously to that. It is not, it's not accidental that we describe someone who has great influence as having a powerful voice. That's true. Absolutely right. And that's big within our culture. Orators, people that give presentations that can build an emotional resonance with others through their voice even learning how to do that one-on-one. That's critical to success. Absolutely. One of the things that I discovered about the voice is that many people suffer from something I call a meter issue. And that is that their internal assessment, their internal calibration of how loud they're speaking is out of sync with the external experience. And so they think they're speaking up, but that's not how it's coming across on the outside. And this is problematic because people are unwilling to speak up even loud. There, there is a penalty in our society for speaking too loudly. Everybody knows that. Right. And so they're reluctant to speak at a louder voice, even if they're consistently told or asked to speak up. So I, I always say in my seminars that if you regularly get the feedback that you need to speak up or repeat yourself, the likelihood that you have a meter issue is extremely high. Mm. And if you're in the position to manage others and you have someone on your team that you consistently have to ask to speak up, the likelihood that person has a meter issue is also extremely high. Right. Wasn't there another thing you mentioned about people swallowing their words or speaking (laughs) through their nose or something like that, where they just didn't have the right sort of tone when they communicated? Yes. Well, very another very common derailer is something called vocal fry. And that's when instead of the, your voice coming from your resonating chambers, which would be your chest chamber, your head voice chamber, the person will allow their voice to come from the back of the throat, which is what I'm doing right now. Mm. This is vocal fry and especially happens at the very bottom of your sentences. And it sounds as if you're not very engaged or not very energetic. And, and that makes sense because what's actually happening, happening is that the diaphragm isn't very engaged. The person isn't speaking from using their whole voice when they're speaking. And therefore, it just sounds somewhat lazy or, or drawn back. Do you think that's something that people learn culturally or what would really prompt them to change their communication style that way? Yes, I think this is a very colloquial dialect, just as we had valley girl talk and surfer dude talk <laughs> that became very popular out there. This vocal fry currently is a theme in a lot of our voice personalities in that it sounds kind of textured where they have this kind of sound to it. And I think people, again, back to social mimicry, take it on whether they mean to or not and don't necessarily understand the impact that it can have, which is that you don't necessarily sound as if you have as much power or commitment as you might want to use. That's true. Absolutely. Or saying the word like every other word. Yes, exactly. Back to those filler words. That's right. That's right. So what are some of the tells? I know you mentioned that there are certain tells of nervousness. What are some of those that you think we should be aware of? Well, first let me say that most people are very concerned about the nervous symptoms that they feel when they're speaking in a situation where the stakes are high. So the racing heart, feeling overheated, dry mouth, nausea, All of this causes us great concern, but everything that I just mentioned is not visible from the outside. So those physical symptoms of 
nervousness and adrenaline aren't quite as obvious from the outside as they feel from the inside. But that doesn't mean that we can't tell when someone is nervous. The, the tells of nervousness are usually people trying to mask or hide their nervousness. And it's that very act of self-consciousness that gives away that the person is intimidated or uncomfortable in the situation. So some of the classic tells of nervousness are that, that people get smaller. So they take up less body space. Hands are tucked into the body, not very much movement in the arms, small posture. And the voice gets smaller. We pull back on our volume. And also the voice will get higher. Oftentimes that's because the, the larynx is under tension, tight, because of nervousness. And so the voice is higher. Other tells of nervousness are not knowing <laughs> what to do with your hands. Just a note about hand gestures. Hand gestures are, are hardwired into us. They're a very human behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's a form of communication that's it's just deeper and older than verbal communication. Right. But the, the most important thing about hand gesturing is that it's an unconscious process. So when we're feeling perfectly comfortable and not feeling self-conscious at all, our hands tend to talk when we talk. But when we are nervous or intimidated and we're trying to mask that, we tend to lock our hands down, sometimes in a very polite, folded fashion. But it's that, that very polite, respectful, professional quality that, that takes the place of authenticity. And so instead of, yes, you look like you're on your best behavior, as opposed to just authentically engaged in the conversation. So masking your body language, holding your hands in, even if they're in a very polite position, can give the impression that you're feeling, feeling the pressure, feeling intimidated. Wow. I had no idea. I hadn't really thought of it like that before. Yeah, absolutely. There's one more that's really common, and that is that when we have adrenaline in our system, the back of the neck will tighten up almost imperceptibly. And so people begin to look around with just their eyes, their, their head doesn't move. And, and so that, that darting of the eyes, looking around the room with the, the head forward, but eyes moving from side to side, that is just a classic tell of nervousness. We definitely interpret that as, as someone being uncomfortable. But when we are, are perfectly comfortable, the whole head turns from side to side when we are speaking. Your head moves like a camera on a tripod. And that, that is what loose looks like from the outside. Right. Well, this is all interesting and relevant information that I think would help anybody to build that confidence, that gravitas. What's, tell me about the work that you do. What are the offerings that you have for law firms and people that want to reach out to you? What are some of the, the things that you get involved in, Kara, in presenting your information? Well, I'm pr- quite often brought in to do a seminar or a retreat where I cover this very same information live, either in a, a one-hour session or maybe even a full-day session. And then within my, my company, we offer small group workshops where we put people on camera and give them direct feedback. Okay. And we also have a one-on-one capabilities where we, one of the people on my team will provide either, either Zoom coaching or go on site and offer on-camera coaching. Seeing yourself from the outside is actually the most powerful way of raising your skill set because it's actually a bitter pill to swallow. But if we are being ineffective, if we are exhibiting a behavior that is undercutting our status, it's almost certainly unintentional. No one does that kind of behavior on purpose. And so either we are unaware that we are doing it or we're unaware that it's having the impact it's having on the other side. So 
the reason people show so much improvement in just a, a small dose of coaching is that it's not really about ability. It's, it's mostly about awareness. Well, that's great, Kara. This is great. I appreciate you being on the show and your website, it's speechskills.com. And then tell me about your online coaching program. I think it's called Credibility Quest. Is that right? Exactly. So I've gone, I've done everything I can to create a program that is more virtual and scalable. And Credibility Quest presents the same sorts of information that I have covered today with visual videos. That is the strong posture, strong voice, strong eye contact, eliminating fillers, watching out for uptalk. But it's meant to be a practice vehicle. So it's, it's 30 lessons that are no more than 15 minutes each. And it's meant to, to be delivered over a period of a few weeks but primarily so that you have support in, in mastering the, this skill set. Because it really does all come down to, to practicing, creating subroutines. Right. And I, I will say one thing about that. Most people think that to master a new behavior, it's going to take a lot of time. But my experience is not that at all. That what it really takes is bringing that behavior front of mind on a regular basis. Because if you were to focus on eliminating fillers for one hour tomorrow, you would have very little progress in right. that direction. But if you had spent one minute a day for 60 days, you would eradicate the problem. It's the same 60 minutes. It's just spread over time. It has a much more powerful impact. So that's what Credibility Quest is all about. It's meant to be a practice vehicle to truly master these behaviors. This is great, Kira. I'm really excited about this. I'm going to check out those resources on my own, and I'd recommend those listening to the show. To do the same thing, it's going to help you build that credibility and confidence that we need with clients and colleagues and peers and prospective clients also. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Kira. I've really had, enjoyed having you here, and I hope to have you back here uh, in the near future. Well, thank you, Scott. I had a good time. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.